Hello and welcome to Today in Space. I'm your host, Alex Rafanos, and this week on Today in Space, we're going to be talking about the balance. We talked about the balance before. We talk about the balance of the space industry, right? We talk about NASA and SpaceX and private space and uh, and government-funded space and new space, old space. How are they going to work together to achieve the goals, all the things that we want, to, to, that we would like out of space, that we would love to work in space and live in space and, and go to Mars and and get back on the moon and, and live interplanetarily, right? Be able to have humans live across the universe. That's, those are things that we want. We want to be able to go fly in a spaceship. We want to be able to go into orbit and see the Earth, right? So a lot of that comes down to the balance about if we really want all the things that we want, we need to find a way to work together. Uh, there's also a tie into real life, you know. Uh, there's there's a balance in all of our lives. I kind of use this as, as a kind of way to talk about the things I'm going through and the balance that I've found. Not that I'm trying to say that I figured it out, just I'm working through it. So it's kind of me talking about me using logic to try and make my life better. And then if I have something, I'll bring it here. And so this week, we had an interesting scenario where something that happened in space also matches something I've been dealing with recently. So... The theme there is controlling something, or, or when when there are variables in your life. You know, there are times when you can find a way to control them, and there are times when you can find uh, that they're completely out of control, and all you can do is control the things that you can control. I think that's something we can all relate to at some point in our lives, right? It happens sometimes. But for me... The, the big thing that, that kind of relates to this is something I've been dealing with for the last year or two or so. Um, you know, last time we did the balance, I talked about how, you know, I, I it's about the beginning of this year, I was talking about finding a balance with the mind of an addict because I, I did smoke cigarettes about a pack a day uh, back when I was in college and I was younger, I was a younger man. And I would, I, I seriously was hopelessly addicted and the variable there was me the variable was uh, the way my body is the choices I had made and when I, I made new choices and got off the of cigarettes and changed my life and started adding some structure and just focusing that same craziness that that would make me really good at finding a way to get cigarettes and to, to find a way to get out of something to smoke you know that same mindset I found out a way to focus it for the things that I wanted. You know, this podcast, um, 3D printing, which eventually became a job, uh, you know, full-time job at a company, which is great and amazing. That's all from figuring out that, how to maneuver that focus. The thing I couldn't control, which is this mindset of mine, I was able to somehow make it and control it enough so that it could do beneficial things for me. So that's, that's pretty cool took a long time to do. But one of the other things that I've I've found a way to to make a work for me is is my my food allergies that I've I've found out that I I am allergic to. So the two and they're 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 doozies. Dairy and gluten. So those two suck. And and when I say allergic, I don't mean like, oh, you know, I'm uncomfortable like it, it's not it's not good. Um not to the point where I need an EpiPen, but it's it's not good. So it just makes things more difficult. And if if I, you know, the thing I can't change is the fact that I'm allergic to that stuff. 
right? That that is just the reality, and I need to figure out. I needed to figure out my world around that, my my reality, so that that would work. And and those two things, dairy and gluten, are in virtually everything. So there was a lot of the things that I I would consider normal that most people do, that I had to figure out a whole new way to do it, and. Uh, still, you know, figuring it out. I've gotten to a really great place. I've had a lot of help. But I've gotten to a place where now I basically cook all my food. I don't really go out places unless it's a place that I know that that's good about allergy stuff. You know, I'll kind of check ahead of time. Uh, usually you can tell there's some things I've, I've figured out that, you know, you can really find out whether whether or not they're good, you know, prepared surfaces, you know, even if it's the same surface, like that's that's the level we're talking here. So it actually became easier for me to cook my food at home and pretty much like bring all my food to, to work and to wherever I'm going. Uh, it's made traveling a little bit different, but I figured out ways of doing it, you know, finding a place where there is uh, some place where I can cook and prepare food, and as long as there's a grocery store that I can buy food, I can make it happen. But if I hadn't taken the second to say, what are the variables that I can't control? And what are the variables that I can control? I would not have been able to get to this point where it's, you know, it's it's controllable. That it's, it's, it, it, because otherwise it would feel like it was complete disaster and chaos and all that. But let's compare this same scenario to the space industry, right? So we've talked a lot about NASA and SpaceX because they really are the two pillars of where the American space industry is right now. And NASA is government-funded. It has all the legacy behind it. It has all the knowledge behind it. Some of the greatest minds work there. And they are able to do a lot of things, and in many ways, they are the standard of what space is today. And they should be. They, they have the knowledge, especially from a human flight perspective, right? NASA is the most, the, the most one of the most storied programs or organizations that knows what makes a successful human human spaceflight, human spacecraft, human program possible, right? Now, they, they have their own issues, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that later in this episode. For SpaceX, they have a very different scenario where they're a private company. And unlike many of the private space companies that are out there, they are very vertically aligned in what they're able to do. Uh, vertical integration, you might hear that term, right? But that's, that's SpaceX. They're stacked up because what they can do is they, they build all of the spacecraft under the same house. They, they test all the spacecraft in the same company. They don't have to bring the rocket back and forth like NASA has to from, from place to place to place just to assemble and build the rocket. They don't have, a, 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 you know, thousands of contractors working on one system, SpaceX, they, I'm sure they, they well, I know they do have some contractors here or there, but for the most part, the majority of the company is focused on building spacecraft, but they don't only sp build spacecraft. They build, they build Falcon 9, they build uh, what are the, the, the most reusable rocket that has ever existed, they're also, they've had the Dragon spacecraft that delivers cargo to the International Space Station, uh, resupplies the International Space Station and the crew on board. They're working on the Crew Dragon that is, with the Commercial Crew Program, which we follow here on the podcast, the Commercial Crew Review. They're, they're, they're making huge strides. They just had the abort test, the in-flight abort test to test if something goes wrong when they send humans, are they able to return them safely and get them away from a rocket that could explode? And it did explode in that test. They proved they could do that. And then they're also working on Starship, 
which is going to be the option to send people to Mars and to the moon and, and send hundreds of people at one time on a mission, which is just not possible right now. They're in the super early developmental stages for that. And then they also have started launching these Starlink satellites that are going to, once they're fully, this satellite constellation around the planet, we've talked about this before in other podcasts, but they're able to do all these things themselves. So essentially the variable for them is SpaceX. The variable for them is what is what are they doing that's limit, limiting them to get things done. But NASA does not... NASA could do that. NASA could focus on how can we make ourselves better. And uh, by no means am I saying that they don't do that. But the variable, the thing that is the most out of their control is not NASA itself. NASA's biggest problem, this is the podcast of this, the, the opinion of this podcast and of this podcast host, and I see it in reality, so I don't think it's that far off, but the biggest variable for NASA is politicians. It is the political game. It is funding. And that's something we've talked about forever. And it's one of the reasons why the space program stalled out when the space shuttle was retired. The space shuttle signified, as I see it, a huge icon for the American space program. And when the space shuttle disappeared and we stopped sending humans into space, we lost so much momentum and so much behind what it meant for NASA to, to exist. I remember when in the early, early days, you know, it was five years ago, what it was the early, you know, mid 2010s, 2015, 2014, because even then, I mean, I was going to school for aerospace engineering, so I had people ask me because they knew that people didn't, weren't even sure if NASA still existed. I mean, that's how much of, a, of a, a problem that was, and that was because of politicians. It was because of the political game. That ultimately, if, if you look at it, as someone that's looked at it and that has talked to people who have worked in the program, how I see it is, my opinion, is that there was so much pressure whenever the space shuttle had a disaster. The, the anniversary just came up for this, and we've, we've talked about it. You can check out our, our social media pages. We're, we're putting up links for these all the time, short clips of this, but they, that really, really crushed the program Challenger, Columbia, it crossed the program because there was so much political pressure. And ever since the space shuttle got retired, it has been flip-flopping. NASA's been flip-flopped on, on what their priorities are and what the thing is that they're going to focus on for uh, the X amount of time. You know, a typically, as we've seen, if the pattern holds, it's usually an eight-year cycle, right? Eight years, uh, you know, one political party gets uh, voted in, they have two terms as president, then it switches, the other party has eight, eight years, eight years, eight years. And we've seen the programs flip-flop back and forth. We had the Constellation program with George W. Bush. We had uh, the asteroid, uh, asteroid reclamation missions with the Obama administration. We also had the Commercial Crew program initiated with the Obama administration. Uh, we also had this switch back with the Trump administration where it's kind of gone to moon to Mars. And the, the plan with Artemis was set in place, actually focused NASA on a specific goal of going to the moon by 2024. Now, 
do we think that NASA is ready today for that? Or did we think at the time that NASA was ready for that 2024, four years from now, landing human beings on the moon, developing the technology to get there that's still not built, and getting them, no, it, it seemed like a completely audacious goal, but it was a goal. It was, it was a goal that, in some ways, as aggressive an option as it was, at least the option of, say, a private company like SpaceX or Blue Origin that's developing the technologies, Boeing, uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, all these different companies, private companies, the United Launch Alliance, that are there, that are able to be contractors to, to get this to work, uh, they were at least an option, right, to use in this plan. Um, but what we have saw recently, and, and we're going to have this article here, and this is kind of what brought me to this attention, and why it's so difficult for NASA to get anything done, is that, because look, we, we went to NASA Social in December for the SpaceX CRS-19 launch. Now look, all of the episodes before that, you know, uh, of me talking about what's going on is coming from a place of, you know, being on the podcast, sitting here, talking to you every week, doing, seeing research through, through the screen, and kind of seeing it from, from I, you know, a distance of what NASA's doing. When I went there and I saw what they were doing and, and, and the people that are involved in this and the passion that's there, and the fact that they, are, they were developing, they had a goal. They, they, had, they put a goal line as, as audacious as 2024 for the first woman and next man to step on, on the moon. Artemis mission 2024 seemed super audacious, but damn were the people of NASA excited. We were, we were getting a, a, an overview of how NASA is looking at you know, hey, if this is coming and, and we have to move fast, we need to start thinking ahead of this. And they were thinking about how do we feed people if we succeed? What if we do succeed? How, what, do we have to have a plan in place? How are we going to be able to sustain these people if we actually succeed in the ultimate mission, which is like to start a colony on the moon and then on Mars, test it out on the moon, go to Mars from there once we've developed the technologies that we can do on the moon because the moon's closer. We can come back to Earth. We can save anyone if there's a problem in a reasonable amount of time. You know, with Mars, it's it's three months from the minute, at least the minute there's a problem. It's it's three months if someone hit hit the launch button, the, the minute that they got the delayed transmission from Mars. So there are so many things that could be done, and, and, and the people of NASA are are ready. They're planning it. They're going after it. They, they had a goal and they're, they're getting after it. I mean, what more can you want out of that? And then we have things like this where, you know, it, it, it adds more confusion than it does anything else. And, and there are a few things I want to talk about this that, in the, that comes up in this article here. It's from uh, spacenews.com. Uh, written by Jeff Faust. I follow him online. He does, he does great stuff. I really love following him. Um, but his article here, the House uh, introduces NASA authorization bill that emphasizes Mars over the moon. And so this goes back to this crazy back and forth that NASA always seems to have. And I want to talk about something strategically in this article. You feel, feel free to read this because there's a lot here. But I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis, and then I'm going to just break down what I think. Basically, I, I, I just want to talk about what I think is is potentially not great about this, and in where I think NASA should be 
in a better position, right? So uh, I'm just going to read quickly here from this just so we get a quick synopsis. Uh, so the leadership of the House Science Committee introduced a NASA authorization bill January 24th that seeks to significantly alter NASA's current plans to return humans to the moon and make them part of an effort to send humans to Mars. The bill, designated H.R. 5666, and introduced by Representative Kendra Horn, a Democrat, Democratic uh, House member from Oklahoma, uh, chair of the committee's space subcommittee, seeks to put a human return to the moon within the context of a larger moon-to-Mars program that would no longer have the goal of returning humans to the surface of the moon by 2024, as President Vice or Vice President Pence announced in March of 2019. The Moon to Mars program shall have the interim goal of sending a crewed mission to the lunar surface by 2028 and a goal of sending a crewed mission to orbit Mars by 2033. So, so let's put that into perspective here. Let's put that into perspective. So the initial goal right here, four years, right? Right now for the Artemis mission to go to the Moon send boots to the moon again, land on the moon to then start building the momentum, get a, get a lunar base going, and then, or develop at least the, the mission profile of, of sending people to the moon again regularly so that then we can go to Mars. Part of this, part of this bill I do like. I, I like the overarching mission that, yes, we, and it says about this later on, but it talks about making sure that NASA has a clear set goal because, yes, with the space shuttle, after even with the space shuttle program, you know, after the Apollo program, there was no defined goal of what you know, what NASA was going to do. You know, the the mission was to get to the moon before the Russians did, to 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 put boots on 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 the moon, uh, because it there was a totally different goal. But then there was no real big arching goal after that. You know, there were a lot of things that were thrown up in the air, but nothing that was specific. And so I do agree with this, that there does need to be a long-term specific goal that can be reached by NASA. That, that, you know. But the problem, the reality that I've seen is that NASA is at the whim of the political party that's in charge. And with that comes all the political back and forth that comes from this. And it really is, it, it, it's... It's unfortunate because <sighs> NASA does not have the time to sit back and let this stuff develop. Look, going for a, pushing basically a lunar mission to the surface to 2028, pushing it four years, gives SpaceX and Blue Origin all of the room to take all of the ground in space development. NASA is going to waste all of their money focusing on building, which it says later in here, a lunar system that they're mandated to completely own, while Blue Origin is building a lunar lander. Amazon, all that Amazon stuff that you buy online, is slowly funneling all of this lunar lander stuff that Blue Origin is trying to do, Blue Moon, and NASA's not going to use it? Why wouldn't NASA be involved in that so that then they can help guide it like they're helping to guide uh, like the Crew Dragon, right? Why wouldn't they develop the program so that they could help Amazon work on all these things, develop it the way that NASA feels is safe enough and right enough, like they're doing with the Commercial Crew Program, and then allow them to do that? Why wouldn't we just do that? And it's very, very confusing. And, and, and the strategically, I think it's a big mistake. Those two deadlines, 2028 for the moon 
and 2033 for a crewed mission to Mars. While that may be scientifically or like by whatever data they're using, it may be more, a more reachable goal. Goals in space are, 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 were never reachable. Landing people on the moon was not a reachable goal. That was something that everyone thought was crazy. It was the biggest, wildest, most audacious thing we could ever have dreamed of. And people love that for that. People worked so hard that so many different people had, had gotten divorces. Their marriages fell apart because of, of how much work went into achieving this goal. And even with that, even with all of that, after four years, the President uh, John F. Kennedy, JFK gets assassinated and after that it's it has some momentum because they wanted to do it in his honor and then it loses steam that is within an eight-year window if we push this into an eight-year window nasa now becomes at this whole program does what all these other programs have done which is to put it at the whim of the political system and let's look at the timeline here let's say that you know this bill goes into goes into effect one of two things is going to happen. Either President Trump gets reelected and becomes as another term, or he doesn't get elected. Oh, no. And then he has to go, someone else comes in, and guaranteed it's going to be a flip-flop effect. Whatever he put in place is going to get scrubbed. And I doubt that this plan is going to, be, is going to stay in place. So pushing this to 2028 means that in either scenario... NASA loses. NASA loses on time and and just just by the the sheer fact that this the, the just by the sheer fact that the private sector is absolutely crushing their 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 competition and and speeding away in, in such crazy ways. We've got we've got you know SpaceX that's doing crazy things and is developing faster than we've ever seen anything, especially publicly with all with all the stuff that they do release. Even though some would argue that it's still not everything, but then you've got the complete opposite. You've got Blue Origin that has some of the, also some of the most brilliant people that uh, could be at NASA but are probably getting paid more money, and they're in almost complete secrecy, almost complete secrecy, completely under the dark. Uh, to, to say that there is a Lex Luthor comparison is is completely under <laughs> underestimating it. There is there, but they are also doing some pretty amazing things, and they have a lot of big plans. And Jeff Bezos has the money to wait it out. I mean, that's the whole thing with their insignia, right? There's a tortoise on the front, tortoise in the hair. They have this whole thing about that. So he has all the money in the world because we keep using Amazon. I'm I'm using it. You know, all our affiliate links here are Amazon. And we get a kickback. <laughs> If you buy anything, so look, we're we're all a part of that, and so those two companies can completely undermine. I mean, we've seen it in the last six years where SpaceX has kind of taken up a lot of this capital of, and they've they've proven that their system is better, and NASA's just not in the business to develop something completely new really really fast, especially to the standards that they'd like. They're not built for that. And to ask them to do that is not going to put them in a good place. So how we approach that, I, I'm not 100% sure. 
how, you know, and I, I think, honestly, I think the option is, is what the current administrator is doing right now, Jim Bridenstein, which is seeing that the commercial partners are a valuable private space, is a valuable asset. And he's he's been open and talked about how, you know, hey, if Falcon Heavy is ready and the SLS isn't ready to do our mission in 2024 for our deadline, we might use Falcon Heavy. Now, they have a whole nother a bunch of problems that they have to figure out, but at least it's possible, right, with the option of that. But if NASA has to fully own this lunar lander project, uh, it, it, it just muddies the water. It makes it more difficult for NASA to do what they want to do. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone's really figured out, other than the private sector, other than what Administrator uh, Charles Bolden and and President Obama did with the commercial crew program. I think that was the smartest thing we've done to make NASA immune to the, the whims of political change. You know, the commercial crew program has survived going from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. And a lot of that is because we got these private partners involved and because we desperately need another option to send human beings into space. And so... I, we need to start really brainstorming how NASA can get around this. I still think the option is private companies. But what do you think? What do you think is is NASA's biggest problem for this? Check out that article. Again, a Space News article written by Jeff Faust. Really, really good article. It, it summarizes everything that it took me here, what, 20, 26 minutes? About 13, maybe 15 minutes or so of the podcast to do. But it's an interesting time. And so the, the, the big thing here is that the, the variable that NASA cannot control is the politicians and the politics. If we could just go around and do the science that we, we desperately, desperately just want to do and to go into space and do all those things, that would be great. But unfortunately, this political side of NASA is there. And the more we can make NASA immune, the better. That's why on this podcast I talk so much about the private industry and about new space because as much as some people may see new space as a threat to what old space did and, and the glory of the old days of the Apollo program, unless we have a military struggle and a military enemy to fight against, you're not I, that I don't think that program exists. I don't think that model sustains. And I think the to find the balance between the private sector and the public sector, is such a big thing. And this bill does not do that. This bill does not find balance with new space and old space. It tries to go back to what old space was, and it's trying so hard to help NASA. And I, I just, I, I personally don't think so, and I would love to hear what you think, whether you think this is even helpful for NASA right now. I know there's some people that are really deep into this. Let me know what you think. And that does it for this week's episode. Man, we went we went for a while here. That was pretty good. Um, I was on a rant. But, yeah, a few things to close up here. Again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for, for following along. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. We've seen some growth. And, and all we can say is tell your friends about us. Share the word. Spread the word. We're here. We're talking about space and science and about life. We're, we're trying, to, trying to connect it somehow. But we... You know, if, if you're new to us, you know, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a review. If you've been around for a while, if you have the time, it really helps out. It helps with the algorithm, gets us in front of more faces, and lets people know that you're actually listening, that this podcast is good. So, 
Uh, that'd be great. Follow us on Spotify. Spotify is growing huge. Uh, we've got that all settled out. And now, uh, now we're seeing some growth, man. It's really cool. So follow us there. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell. Let's make sure that you actually see all the stuff that comes up. You get an actual notification. You have to do that second time. I know it's weird, but it'll make sure you don't have to worry about it again. And then reach out to us on social media, Today in Space Podcast, or Today in Space Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check us out on TikTok at Today in Space and Facebook at Today in Space Podcast. And also in our 3D printing laboratory, AG3D, we, where we bring ideas into reality, uh, our main 3D printer, the Prusa i3 Mark II, was getting slated for some upgrades. We've had the, the Mark 2.5S upgrade, which gives us a whole bunch of amazing abilities to do so much more with our 3D printing, to make more things like, like some props from the show, where we made Starship. Uh, we also made uh, the Dragon capsule that we use in the podcast whenever we're talking about these spacecraft, uh, helping to bring a visual aspect to the show. Uh, but we also do things, you know, like product development too. You know, this is something we've done, a phone case, uh, another version I'm working on here. There's so many different things we're doing, but with this upgrade, it's kind of taking a little while, but I've got a bunch of time-lapse videos, uh, a bunch of footage from the rebuild and the upgrade. Um, so I'm going to slowly be trickling those on our Instagram page at AG3D Printing. So check us out there, Instagram, AG3D Printing. Uh, make sure to follow if you aren't already. And, you know, we're going to do some fun stuff there once our workhorse 3D printer is back online. And I'm also open to uh, nicknames for uh, our, our 3D printer here at Today in Space uh, and AG3D. So if you have any nicknames for our 3D printer, please hit us up, let us know. And uh, as always, you know, with AG3D, we're here to help bring your own ideas into reality. It's AG3D is part is in part what funds the podcast um, and lets us do all these amazing things. So, you know, if, if you have a 3D model ready that you'd like to do, there's a lot of cosplay stuff that we're getting into now. Um, or if, if you need to get a model made, we can do all that stuff here. So reach out to us, ag3d.engineering at gmail.com. EG3D printing on Instagram. Really, just hit us up, hit us, you know, slide into those DMs, and uh, let us know what you're thinking. We're more than happy to talk to you about it. Free quotes, um, and let us know what we can do for you to help bring your idea into reality with 3D printing. Uh, you know, well, I'm not doing a lot of aerospace engineering anymore. I am doing a lot of 3D printing. So, uh, pretty much whatever you're thinking, even if it seems crazy, hit us up. I'm, I'm happy to share what knowledge I can and see if we can help you out with a little 3D printing and you help fund the show. So it's an amazing combination. So follow us on AG3D Printing to check out what we're doing there. See all the different things we've done there. And if you see something that you like or see something that, you know, you we've done a lot so far, but we'd also like to know what you would like us to 3D print. So hit us up, let us know. And that's it. That's it for this week. Have a good one. We'll be back next week for another episode of Today in Space.